0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first and only official Doing It Wrong Auditory Colorado Ballot Guide. I'm Rainey Toll. And I'm Darcy Newrider.
1: And we'll be your moderators for this evening's event, which is highly unique.
0: America! Thank you for joining us tonight from your couch, your bed, your shower, your midnight walk, your manic episode. Wherever you are, it's a pleasure to have you with us.
1: There will be very little interrupting throughout this exercise in civic engagement. Lots of jokes, some good and some bad, and some light slander. But let's be real, it's politics. And what's politics without a little slander? Today, we're going to be talking about the politics going down in Colorado, Which is where we were born and bred, so young folks in the Denver area and beyond, dial the fuck in.
0: We're talking ballot initiatives concerning everything from reducing Denver's carbon footprint to unleashing the gray wolves on the western slope.
1: But not so fast, national and international friends. A lot of what we're about to discuss is directly related to larger national issues like abortion rights, the national popular vote, flipping that Senate, capitalism, and humanity. Just girly things.
0: A few weeks ago, I was watching a New York Times seminar on the future of the electorate and comedian Alana Glazer of Broad City fame was a panelist.
1: Yes, queen! I
0: don't remember much from the seminar because I was hungry and distracted, but I do remember Alana articulating that she wanted young people to know that politics are for them, that the language and the jargon and the confusion and the impenetrableness are actually just ways to keep young people out.
1: We as the current and future electorate cannot be dissuaded from participation. As young people, we by no means have an understanding to everything, but what's critical is to engage in any way we can and encourage our peers to do the same.
0: It's media chaos out there, folks, but we're here to help you sort through what we consider to be the most important things on your ballot so you can turn that shit in and precipitate change.
1: Sit your ass in a chair, pull out a pen with black or blue ink, and get ready to fight for the livelihood of our democracy. This is
0: Proposition
1: 1000 oh my gosh the election finally i've been waiting four years for this one (laughs) what i'm excited about for this colorado ballot is that the issues that we're going to talk about are like these hugely important national reckonings so we're going to talk about things like abortion climate change Popular vote versus electoral college, flipping the Senate. I mean, I just
0: want to cut right to the chase here. Yeah, now that I'm in like the belly of the political beast and have been for the past 48 hours, because that's when I've been doing the uh, research for this episode, <laughs> um, I'm kind of like, it can really be all consuming. And we are here to synthesize some information for you guys, but mostly like a lot of the language on the ballot is confusing.
1: But a lot of times it's intentionally written that way. It's a trick question on the SAT.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, no, they want you
1: to lose for sure. Like we were talking about in the intro. Literally, if you don't understand this, don't feel bad. Do not feel you're bad. You're not supposed to. A hundred percent. You're not designed to. that way.
0: I was my we. I opened the ballots with my parents the other night at dinner, and my dad was yeah. just flying through that shit. <laughs> <laughs> and. <laughs> And I was like being very careful. And I was like, guys, the blue book is right here. We need to be referencing it. We need to be cross-referencing. We need to be like research. Da, 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 da. And yeah. it feels like taking a test. <laughs> but here's the cool thing. It's open note. And let's all just fuck this. <laughs> let's all converge and, con- and, and, and pull those resources. Make a Google Doc. That's what this is. This is supposed to be your cheat sheet Google Doc for the Colorado ballot. We got to do voting right and um <laughs> and this is gonna be your how-to guide <laughs> on how to do this right let's not do it let the, let this be the one thing that you don't do wrong right now
1: <laughs> you know it's doing it right the ballot
0: okay so rainy let's cut right to the chase here reproductive rights are top of mind given the senate confirmation hearings of amy coney barrett colorado is voting on a statewide proposition right. that would ban abortions after 22 weeks unless the life of the mother is threatened want to get us into
1: this Right. So Proposition 115 is whether or not to implement this abortion ban when the fetus is at least 22 weeks, which is about five months. So okay. the reason that they have 22 weeks is because that is the earliest time when a baby could survive outside of the womb. So there's premature babies who are born and they they have healthy lives. But right. If you're getting an abortion at 22 weeks, like at that point you've like mm. named the baby, you've bought the crib. In terms of the women I know, me thinking myself in that situation, there is no I just wouldn't I would not get an abortion at 5 months unless it was a medical issue.
0: Yeah, abortions in later pregnancy are like super rare. There's an OBGYN in Colorado that said less than 1% of abortions occur after 20 weeks. And usually the terminations are because of these severe fatal anomalies diagnosed Mm -hmm. at the 20-week anatomy ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And so they're not choosing to terminate because they just don't want to be pregnant. And then I think from just like my final note on this from a personal standpoint, I'm just like imagining all the men that I know, Mm -hmm. like fill in a yes on this. (laughs) And I'm literally like you are saying that you want to be a decision maker in a highly personal potentially life-threatening medical decision and that's an infringement upon human rights yeah you don't don't know me you don't know my health you don't know my priorities the idea of some legislator or some man Mm -hmm. controlling what will potentially happen to your body that's the most visceral like skin crawling right we talked to colorado youth voter may toll about why she's voting no on prop 115 here's what she said
2: So I'm voting no on Prop 115. I'm voting that because abortion is a fundamental right. It comes down to personal privacy, bodily autonomy, uh, women's equal rights. The No 115 campaign at CSU wrote that Prop 115 is intentionally written to confuse you by sounding like a compromise. Most importantly to me, this doesn't exclude abortions for rape or incest and is very careless about health issues that come with pregnancy. As someone who is riddled with health issues, in the case that I get pregnant, I can't be confident that my body would be able to take care of myself and my baby. This bill does declare abortion lawful when, and I quote, immediately necessary. Immediately necessary means that the woman is dying in real time. this woman with a lifetime of health risks and trauma. A lot of health issues in pregnancies are detectable. Giving the choice before it becomes an emergency, in my opinion, is more pro-life than forcing a woman to come to term with her pregnancy. Especially if that means that you are putting the baby and the woman at risk. I am pro-choice not pro-abortion. I am pro-woman, not anti-baby. The simplest reason you should vote no is to maintain the civil and human right of bodily autonomy. The fetus is given human rights. For example, when person A needs a kidney and asks person B, person B can say no immediately or any anytime before the procedure. It might mean person A dies. But it would be unjust to force person B into this procedure. No one wants to get an abortion. It exhausts you emotionally, financially, and physically. Abortion is a last resort and made when the woman thinks it is the best option. If you do not trust that a woman would make the best choice for her or her baby, you're sexist.
0: Incredible. Yeah, that's a hard vote now so moving right along here another issue that feels particularly pressing especially given the wildfires in colorado is climate change denver ballot measure 2a aims to raise money to reduce carbon emissions rainy tell me more about it
1: yeah all right ballot initiative 2a denver sales tax would be increasing from 8.31% to 8.56%. So that's 25 cents on a $100 purchase. That will culminate into a $40 million a year. That money will go to shrink the city's climate footprint. Hey, we love that. Yeah. Including, so carbon-free bus systems, training for clean energy sector jobs, improve energy efficiency in home, and half of that revenue will go to vulnerable communities communities that are most at risk for the impacts of climate change which are people of color and people experiencing poverty so that one's good that one's like a shimmy
0: yes but that that's also a denver measure that's not like statewide right right yeah yeah but i think that's really really exciting and in terms of who supports grassroots group resilient denver and a group Mm -hmm. called yes and Two a climate action now who's against the measure is a dude named matt groves who is the vp for the colorado auto dealers association oh yeah <laughs> hashtag cars <I> <laughs> <laughs> hashtag cars. Everyone. i'm just
1: like literally if the vice president of an auto dealership is against it i think i'm for it right it's like f- fundamentally based on that fact
0: <laughs> like <laughs> matt groves i'm voting against you sir
1: <laughs> also another argument against it is that it'll end up being like quote unquote boutique items so like bike lanes used for the wealthy few but i'm not really sure like according to like the words in the law it seems like it's not bike lanes i think it's like very Mm -hmm.
0: clear that a lot of the investments are going to be put towards protecting those communities that are most vulnerable to climate change because we're definitely not experts on climate we asked dana eggleston a young environmentalist and science writer about her views on 2a and general frameworks for climate justice Dana has a BS in environmental studies with an emphasis in marine and coastal ecology. Here's what she said.
3: Okay, let's get existential right away because we're in the thick of it. Folks, the air quality on the Front Range is beyond. Colorado is being ravaged by wildfires right now and the entire state is in a drought. The need for climate justice is visible, it's tangible, and it's quantifiable. So, Ballot Measure 2A is about climate funding. The measure plans to raise $40 million annually to fund programs to eliminate greenhouse gas emissions and air pollution via increased sales and use taxes. It has, at the very least, a superficial orientation to climate justice, environmental racism, and impact on vulnerable, frontline, or most affected communities. Spending is overseen by the Office of Climate Action, Sustainability, and Resiliency, and the Citizens Sustainability Committee. Plainly, I am not excited about this measure, but I am voting yes. The very least that anything related to climate funding can do is prioritize Black, Brown, Indigenous, and Frontline communities. The consequences of the climate crisis are not felt uniformly across racial or socioeconomic strata, or gender for that matter. I think the fact that this is a regressive tax is a big issue. Just as the negative effects of global climate change are not felt uniformly, the contributions and sources are not equal across social strata. Wealthy white Americans and large corporations are most responsible for the climate crisis. Their resource use and subsequent emissions surpass the global south and the communities most affected by climate crisis locally and nationally. The tax should instead account for proportional emissions. If you cause most of the problem but are affected least by the consequences, you should be responsible for cleaning up your mess and supporting the people you've impacted. I'm certainly going to be following up my vote for this with directly reallocating funds to those communities because climate funding via regressive tax is not
0: fair. Awesome. You can follow Dana on Twitter, at Dana Eggleston. Say
1: yes to Ballot Initiative 2A if you're in Denver.
0: Say yes to 2A. This is kind of a no-brainer, guys. Proposition 113.
1: Popular vote versus electoral college. It is the showdown of the century, 250 year legacy they're up to bat is electoral college going to make it through this one yeah correspondent like we, we def- on pop <laughs> vote versus electoral college we definitely hope not we definitely
0: hope not yeah thank you thank you for the question <laughs> on this i'm i'm happy to take it proposition 113 so pretty much it as the people of colorado to enter this agreement among the states to elect a president of the u.s by a national popular vote And we say woot to that, like, fuck the dysfunctional undemocratic electoral college. But we we still have to get enough votes from all the other states, majority of those electoral votes, in order to, like, actually have the popular vote reign. Right. But, you know, we kind of hate the electoral college. So in the past, in 2000 and 2016, George W. Bush and Donald Trump Mm -hmm. both won the presidency despite losing the national popular vote. H. Clinton, snatch that. <laughs> so pretty much, super quick summary of Electoral College. Each state has a number of electors that is tied to its congressional delegation, one for each senator and representative. But because of this, states that with like smaller populations like Wyoming, and Arizona, get an outside say in the Electoral College relative to their number of voters. Wyoming and Arizona have more representation, more pull in the Electoral College than California does even though there's like Mm -hmm. way more voters in California and in a giant state like California, those in like the minority party, which is like the Republicans, they have less impact on elections and states that have super high voter turnout. Those individual votes count for less nationally. Like Colorado. Colorado has a huge voter turnout. Huge voter turnout. This is the crazy thing that I found out about the electoral college. (laughs) It's super emblematic of like oligarchic roots our democracy was really constructed to favor socio political elites, so it was pretty much designed mm-hmm. to <laughs> make sure that the average person, the average voter, didn't exercise too much control over government, so that power could remain in the hands of like elite white men. And the electoral college is like has all this racist history. Post Civil War, the three fifths compromise went away, and the Confederate states gained more representation in the House now that slaves were counted as full people but because of jim crow literacy tests election day violence voter suppression laws mm. these black people are being disenfranchised from voting and confederate oh. states were gaining power in the electoral college so it's sort of like inherently a white supremacist institution <laughs> and there was like a movement in the 70s to abolish it And the southern states obviously oppose it so there's sort of a direct correlation here guys and it's not cute and guess who opposes it <laughs> um
1: Cory Gardner.
0: Cory Gardner and the Republicans. That's right. So pretty much supporters are like, each vote will carry equal weight in the election. It would encourage voters to win support all over the country instead of just focusing on like Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Florida, Michigan. We kind of know those those are what everyone talks about. And everyone else Mm -hmm. kind of feels like irrelevant because we know where those electoral votes are going to go. So people are like, have everyone's vote count more and have these candidates really put in the work across the nation, talking to all types of people and not just being like the entire fate of the American election (laughs) is in this (laughs) single Pennsylvania county. I don't want people supposed to be disenfranchised. Every vote should count equally. And that's the bottom line. Mm.
1: Yes. All right. Should we go on to Gardner versus Hick?
0: Colorado voters have an opportunity to help flip the Senate blue this November with this Senate race between Republican incumbent Cory Gardner and Democratic nominee John Hickenlooper. I just want to say for this, (laughs) I kind of want to read a couple of Yeet Cory Gardner posts. Yeah. Instagram. Here's the thing. I mean, if you're listening to Yeet Cory Gardner, (laughs) Yeet Cory Gardner is proof that politics actually can be so funny. And I think it's one of the most brilliant and effective political social media campaigns I've ever seen. Follow you, Cory Gardner. The very first post is Cory Gardner skis and jeans. And (laughs) that is the truest thing I've ever heard. Cory Gardner calls Colorado the Midwest.
1: (laughs) That's like very, that's incredibly (laughs) offensive to the people who are like in the East Coast and maybe think that Colorado is in the Midwest. We are not.
0: Cory Gardner parks in the bike lane. That's hilarious. (laughs) And this one is just so scathing and i love it cory Gardner thinks pro-choice is a cut of meat at elway's <laughs> and then finally cory garner isn't sure what makes a subaru a subaru mm. which it just doesn't get me it's love guys it's love
1: <laughs> i would like to say every time i read the name cory gardner in my head i'm like Gardner. <laughs> you know what i mean like that's how i hear his name
0: wow It sounds like like, Dementors from from Harry Potter. That
1: was my next point. Cory Gardner is literally a Death Eater. Pence is Voldemort. Trump is Bellatrix. Cory Gardner is Lucius Malfoy, gaining power by just calling people names, being really mean, and doing Trump's bidding. And we need our little Gryffindor hick in here. Gryffindor. To balance the playing field.
0: Cory Gardner has voted to confirm every single one of Trump's Supreme Court nominees, including Neil Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, <laughs> and he supports voting before the election for Amy Coney Barrett. That is
1: tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I or I listened to half the debate this morning between Hickenlooper and Gardner, and this is an important point about Cory Gardner. He is such a loud breather. <laughs> like when Hickenlooper is talking. He's, like, right next to the mic. He's
0: like my uh, computer when she's hyperventilating. and
1: She's she's just, like, really working, like, just too hard. (laughs) Like, let's, like, take a step back, take a deep breath, get your bearings, and then come back. He was just, like, talking super fast and yelling at Hickenlooper. And Hickenlooper was just, like, what's happening? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I've heard that Gardner is, like,
0: crazy intense in debates.
1: He was, like, manically, like... Hickenlooper doesn't even know what the bill is, and it was like kind of—I I wasn't really clear if Hickenlooper didn't know what the bill was, but I just like truly couldn't even comprehend what he was saying because he was talking so fast and so like such violent language that I was just like, mm. "I can't like, process bro. this." And you're like, bro, "In my Hicken- little like Mini Cooper, <laughs> driving home from fucking where was I?" And you are like, like <laughs> "Just <can't. laughs>
2: And you're like, "Bro,
0: Hickenlooper founded a brewery.
1: Okay, <laughs> that is a cool thing about him, and he's a geologist."
0: Yeah, he, he did like Everyone geology. knows geology rocks. Everyone. Plain <laughs> dog. Why you gotta hit us with that? Why you gotta hit us with these bad, with these incredible jokes? Okay, so, I mean, I will say that he had, like, a pretty embarrassing response to a Black Lives Matter question, where he was like.
1: Oh, that was horrible. Every Life yeah.
0: Matters, and I was like. And then he was like, oh, I misspoke. And I was like, okay, well, you're Joe Biden. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he has his ethics violations. He like was flying on <laughs> jets and he has this conflicting track record on fracking. But when it really comes down to it, guys, he's trying to protect the Affordable Care Act. And the fact that he says that climate change is like the defining challenge of our time. I'm like, he's also opposed to Prop 115. And those are kind of like my big issues. So who are you voting for in the Senate reign?
1: teddy hickenlooper's father
0: <laughs> as in john hickenlooper <laughs> flip the senate blue guys let's just <laughs> let's just flippity flipper
1: let's just like red is too aggro of a color honestly unless it's a red dress for my prom cards Gardner's
0: like Gardner was like i don't stand trump and now he's like sucking his dick so it's like <laughs> word <laughs> word bro like yeah definitely okay amendment 76 youth voter suppression this amendment, it is so intentionally confusing, it's infuriating. So pretty much currently in amendment 76, currently in Colorado, if you're 17 during a primary election, but you're going to be 18 in the general election, you can still vote. But if this amendment, if it passes, it will prohibit 17-year-olds who are eligible to vote in primary elections from doing so. And with this whole like citizenship language it promotes fear and confusion for like naturalized immigrant citizens which is like another form of voter suppression
1: it's eliminating a huge voting block yeah
0: yeah it's like and here's the other thing is like we know what young people care about vote no on this one guys (laughs) okay denver ballot measure 2h
1: high speed internet yeah how do you feel about that one everybody should have access to wi-fi
0: I agree with that. This is like the democratization of internet. It's internet as public utility. I'm just really interested in the internet as a resource and it's and in its regulation. And like 2-H pretty much asked Denverites to let Denver spend money on broadband internet services and infrastructure. Mm. And the state law doesn't allow us to do that right now. So, and, and it was proposed by this guy who's like this old hippie so he's he's a he was a he's a councilman this is gonna allow us to opt out of state law and potentially open a door to create a city sponsored internet provider like how cool would that be this council city councilman is like it should function like a library
1: free access to information completely in the information age i also am like you can apply to jobs on the internet you especially with these zoom since the world is ending right and school is now on zoom like it has become even more critical for the education and making sure that the achievement gap doesn't further.
0: The internet is like the one of the biggest resources we have. It should be democratized. It should be made accessible. And this yeah. is and this is like a small measure but it, this is the beginning of it i think it's really forward thinking okay critical statewide proposition 114 on gray wolves take us to school rainy
1: reintroducing wolves on the western slope here's the situation jersey shore the situation so the reintroducing wolves my grandmother is incredibly passionate about this she says it's critical that we reintroduce wolves into the rocky mountains because all over the mo- rocky mountains from like canada to mexico Mm -hmm. there are wolves and the only gap is in colorado like right in the middle so really yeah so it's kind of like messing with the whole i'm not sure if it's migration or if it's like the ecosystem but somehow it's actually a bigger deal than just like are there gonna be wolves wow if you want to talk to my grandmother let me know email doingit.wrong at com. her name is connie and she is a hoot and a half she's like a she's she's like like an
0: outdoor steward i feel
1: right she is she is a die-hard (laughs) conservationist for her 80th birthday she climbed a 14er with her grandkids but i didn't go because it was too hard
0: (laughs) (laughs) she is john muir reincarnated And for our listener base, not based in the state of Colorado, yes, this is real. The restoration of gray walls is actually something that is on the ballot and that we are voting on. Welcome to the fucking West. Never call us the Midwest. Is this on your ballot? Minnesota? Is this on your ballot? Ohio? Is this on your ballot? Indiana? <laughs> Anyone who dares to refer to Colorado as the Midwest hasn't seen Proposition 114, the restoration of gray wolves. Apex predators support biodiversity. (laughs) That's what I'm going to say on it. Thank you. The one thing against the gray wolves. Oh,
1: it's the farmers.
0: Oh, I guess it's the livestock. Yeah, people are worried about livestock. Um, Oh, wait, what were you going to say? yeah I don't have intimate like knowledge of ranch economics so I don't feel qualified to make a call on that one um but I do like biodiversity but pretty much people are kind of just like why is this on the ballot at all shouldn't biologists decide this and not just like random like just like the people who don't know anything about like the intricacies For of sure. ecosystems but welcome to the West, everyone. Wait, which one's next? That's going to be statewide proposition 118, which is paid family leave, which would be funded through a payroll tax paid by employers and employees in a 50-50 split. Essentially, proposition 118 proposes that all Colorado workers should get to take 12 weeks off while earning up to 90% of their paycheck. And this is another one that the ACLU has endorsed as saying saying yes to. Not many people have the ability to take time off when they have a serious life event happen. We asked Mia Gioli, a young Colorado voter born and raised in Denver, who is now getting her master's degree in public policy at the University of Denver, what her thoughts were on Prop 118.
4: Here's what she said. I think it will pay for itself in the long run. People need that paid time off to live a dignified life without risk of losing their job. The job protection aspect is huge to me of this proposition where people can't be fired for taking time off because they have a newborn or because they have an elderly family member who they need to care for. COVID has shown how disproportionately women and women of color are impacted in the labor market, especially when a crisis hits. Unpaid labor is needed, it kind of invisible labor to the labor market, such as childcare, that women perform in an unpaid manner. And that is so important to me in terms of the job protection requirement. Um, I think the domestic abuse coverage is also huge. Just being able to take time off if you need it to take legal action against an abuser or a stalker if needed is just a huge step forward for colorado and i understand the concerns of small business in the chamber of commerce but spreading that risk of paying for a paid family leave program through the government is way more doable than buying a private paid family leave program for your business so I think in the long term it will be a winning a winning change for both businesses and for the government
1: I'm feeling fuck capitalism on this one
4: yeah I mean like literally
1: let's not work to the ground when like somebody is dying in your family completely
0: you're completely right on that and I think you know the people are opposed were kind of like there's this huge tax increase which is typically the opposing mm-hmm. view in scenarios like this one mostly the people that are concerned are like the business community and they're mm-hmm. worried it's going to further damage an economy that's still ravaged by the coronavirus this would be another one where colorado would really be um pioneering so i i vote yes on that i am curious about to be rainy which is the <laughs> initiative to increase sales tax to address homelessness
1: Yes, this one is a good one. This is about increasing sales tax. I think it's 0.25%. So that's again, 25 cents on each $100 purchase, which will cost the average Denver household about $5.25 a month. And the money will go to fund housing, shelter and services for people who are experiencing homelessness and the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless, the Dolores Project, and the Downtown Denver Partnership are Ooh. all in support. And no groups have formally opposed the measure. Uh homelessness is definitely on the rise since the pandemic. Also has always been a problem in Denver. Yeah. And I read this thing about how Finland ended homelessness by providing housing with like no stipulations. So I think for me, this one's just like a very obvious like vote yes. Right. And
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yes on that. Yes on two B. Colorado constitutional amendment B, repeal Gallagher.
1: All right, so this one is gnarly. I do not know what this is. I have heard five different definitions from five different sources. It's an actually insane amendment that nobody understands. It is higher calculus that you would learn in business school. She's setting me up for success, um. folks.
0: <laughs> and I'm really just going to try to <laughs> boil it down for you guys and, and let you understand why this is actually one of the most important things on the ballot for people in Colorado. And just hang with me. Hang with you. I beg of you. Hang with me. As Rainey said, it's one of the most complex issues on the ballot. It has to do with property taxes. I know everyone. It's incredibly sexy. Strong in. <laughs> <laughs> gallagher has been uh, hugely impactful generally as a constitutional provision so it saved all these homeowners billions of dollars but it's also caused a bunch of issues for local budgets specifically in rural areas which has had an impact on funding of fire departments schools and healthcare in those rural areas so what does gallagher do how does it work pretty much it was written into the colorado constitution at a time when constituents everyone was like Everyone was up in arms about property taxes going up, as people tend to be. (laughs) So in its conception, (laughs) it was formulated to shift the burden away from residents and onto businesses. That was its original conception in 1982. Within Gallagher, there's this ratio. So think about there's residential property taxes and then there's commercial property taxes. And the ratio is 45% taxes for residential property, and then 55% taxes for commercial property, shifting that burden from residents onto commercial,
1: so residents have to pay less in property taxes. That's sort of the basis. Is that, are those percentages the total property tax revenue of the state? 55% has to be from businesses, and 45% has to be from resi- Residential
0: right? property taxes, yeah. The, the total, okay, so yeah, the not, revenue. it's not
1: the... right, yeah,
0: that's a good clue, yeah. Okay. In recent years, property values have increased significantly. Everyone wants to live in Colorado. Super desirable place to be.
1: <laughs> Obviously, because we're not the Midwest.
0: Because we're not the Midwest, as we know. <laughs> at, Wolf,
1: <laughs> at Wolf Amendment.
0: Real estate is like pricey as hell and home values are increasing at a faster rate than business, b- business property values are. And that ratio, that 45 to 55% ratio, is thrown off balance. So in order to keep that 45 to 55% ratio... They have to keep cutting taxes on res- on the residential side, even though those residents probably should be paying more. But Gallagher prevents that. So like these property values are going up a bunch mm. and as should the taxes on those properties. But this Gallagher amendment is like, oh, hold up, wait, no, you, you can only, the tax base <laughs> can only be 45%. So there's this thing called the assessment rate, which is used to determine how much own- homeowners should pay in taxes And under Gallagher, homes are assessed at 7.15% of their market value, while businesses are assessed at 29%. So that means the assessment rate is really low for residents. And then meanwhile, businesses are paying a ton in taxes. If Gallagher isn't repealed, next year, business owners will be paying five times the property tax rate of homeowners. That's how Gallagher works. Okay, so what's the impact of that? So pretty much in rural counties there's very little commercial property there's residents and there's like small businesses you don't have these like big commercial properties going up where there's like a lot of retail so because of gallagher they keep having to lower how much they're collecting from residential property to keep that ratio at 45 and 55 but there aren't any commercial properties to support the tax as it keeps going up so small businesses in those rural communities are carrying the immense commercial property tax burden And that wasn't really the intent of the original amendment. So in those rural communities where there isn't a lot of property, commercial property to pick up that tax, local budgets aren't getting money from taxes. There's no money for schools, for hospitals. They need the money, but there's no place that they're getting it from because there's not like big commercial property taxes that are filling that need. The other issue is that Callagher, it's in the Colorado Constitution. It doesn't take in local economic factors. So Denver home values are skyrocketing, right? Cause it's like a major me- metropolitan area, mm. but home values in rural counties are kind of just like unchanging. So in the rural communities don't have the commercial tax base to take on the burden like Denver does. Small businesses have to take that on, which is hurting both them and then their public services. Kids in schools in those rural communities are going to school one less day a week. There's one less day of instruction. They, there's not enough funding for those kids to go to school five days a week. They're only going four days. And that's crazy, right? Like, just because you, because of Gallagher, these rural communities don't have enough funding for their local schools for these children to go to school full five days a week. And then you're like, okay, Colorado, why don't you just raise taxes on residential properties? Well, we have this thing in the Colorado Constitution called TABOR, Taxpayers Bill of Rights, which says that Colorado can't raise the taxes without the voter approval that's sort of the fact the quick and dirty for the gallagher who is against repeal of gallagher dennis gallagher who is the man who wrote the gallagher amendment (laughs) who is a proponent of continuing to (laughs) cut property taxes and does he
1: have like giant properties
0: honestly i don't know that much about him
1: you're not in contact
0: (laughs) yeah we haven't been in contact i haven't slid into the dms yet of dennis gallagher but i'm kind of just like fuck you man um yeah so and opponents are kind of like everyone's gonna if we repeal this everyone's gonna complain about property taxes again and we're gonna have nothing to like people are gonna have to pay a bunch of money in property taxes that's like the main concern my final opinion the gallagher amendment should be repealed and it pretty much comes down to a strain on local resources and this amendment is perpetuating inequity in the state so
1: Mm. repeal gallagher i actually understand what this is for the first time in years i've heard the name gallagher i'm like yeah yeah Uh, final final ballot question oh yeah the the presidential race who are you voting for
0: oh the presidential race yeah oh my lordy lordy lord Um, I don't even, I wish I had prepared like some jokes on this because I feel like there's a lot to say, but, um, just fucking vote for Joe Biden.
1: (laughs) You know, that's just it. Hey guys, thanks for taking the time to listen to the end of this ballot episode. That means you made it through the highly complex tax policy. So take a second to appreciate yourself. We hope that we've stoked the fire that is now burning in your civic engagement loins. We also hope that you're thinking hard about your ballot decisions. If you've already mailed that baby in and you're rewinding this episode and doing more official research, or if you've procrastinated your urgent civic duty. Just a heads up to all you Colorado folks who are taking advantage of our glorious mail-in ballot system. The last day to mail your ballot back is October 26th, which is this coming Monday. Do not miss it. For the love of God, do not miss it. In our episode description this week, we've also included links to other Colorado ballot guides that helped us figure out how we're voting this year.
0: And finally, in conducting the research for this episode and having my thoughts be provoked by the brilliant minds of our correspondents, I felt more engaged in the process of democracy than I ever have, that's for damn sure. Conversations about news are often dominated by national politics For the past four years, it's been exceedingly difficult not to be sucked in and distracted by the continuous stream of bullshit coming out of the White House and the shocking national political developments that dominate headlines. Paying attention to national politics is important, don't get me wrong, but the gridlock, the utter dysfunctionality, the grossness of the political theater can perpetuate feelings of helplessness, especially now and progress or personal impact can feel completely out of reach. That is why I say to you, tune into your local politics. It's like Leslie Nope in Parks and Rec, but in real life. The health of our democracy is maintained on every level. It's not just about voting Trump out of office, it's about recognizing that the process of shaping the nation you ultimately want to live in begins right outside your door. The utter importance of focusing on your local issues, the politics happening in your state, in your city, in your district, in your neighborhood, is what really became crystal clear to me throughout our ballot expedition. Local politics not only function as a microcosm of larger national questions, they also can have the largest and most direct impact on you and your community, the people you work with, the people you drive by on your favorite streets. I learned a shit ton about why things are the way they are in the place that I live, and that was hugely gratifying. The good news is that there's never been a better time to start caring, even just a little bit more than you did yesterday. The future is ours. Let's
1: go win this one. Doing It Wrong is made by Darcy Newrider and Rainy Toll. Our executive producers are Toll, Rainy, and Newrider, Darcy.
0: Our technical directors are Rain Woman, Not Rain Man, Toll, and Darcy haagen Nucleotide. Our sound engineers are Taney Roll and Narcy Doerider. Love them. Special thanks to our writers, Darce, New at Writing, New Writer, and Rainey has written some essays before Toll.
1: And our editors, D. New at KentDenver.org and Rainey Toll at ScienceAndTech.org, who have put in many hours into this production.
0: We source our contemporary philosophy from Darcy, D. Sorrento Nucleotide, and Rainito, descendant of the Toll family that owns Toll & Toll. Our intern is May Toll. And we receive begrudged, second-rate, freelance, creative consulting from Luke New
1: our custodians are Raindog, Let's Get Through This Fog, and DNunu22, This Is Not About You.
0: Please reach out to our large team if you're interested in contributing or being a guest on our show. Every inquiry must begin with the whomst it may concern or it won't be processed.
1: Our outreach managers and also our contact emails are DarcyNewRider at gmail.com and RainyToll at hotmail.com.
0: Our cover art is by Maddie Haynes. Check her out at maddiehaynes.com. Peace and blessings. Please check our next episode and text your friend this episode link right now.